David, I heard you made the playoffs in every single fantasy league you're in. So I must know, what is the over-under on championships? All of them. All of them. Very nice. <laughs> this is the Fantasy Football Championship Podcast on the Drink Fight Network. It's actually the Fantasy Finish Line. Which basically means that I can't possibly... Uh, uh, I can't possibly get the over... That's true. You can't get the over. I better I'll bet, take the under on that. I'll bet the under as well. Oh. All right, this is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. I am Jason Evans, joined as always by David Biggs. Uh, I am back. I, I uh, was under the weather last week, so I appreciate uh, Dave covering for me and uh, his lovely fiance Jessica, taking it over for us. That was a great show, guys. It's better than over the weather, because that would be weird. That would be a weird place to be, yes. It, it would, you know, I, I didn't think of it. We could have planned ahead. You could have told me that you were going to win four out of five, because that's the song that I just played. Uh, Spoiler alert, guys. You should Google that and learn it to figure out our musical theme for later. But we'll get into that later, because tonight I must also introduce our guest, Tad Bukowski. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Tad, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. All again. right, we're doing great here tonight. Uh, we just uh, filled our bellies with burgers, and now we're filling our bellies with beers. <laughs> what is that you cracked open there, Tad? Why, that would be a, uh, a Hazy Jane. Uh, I selected this one because uh, when I opened the refrigerator door, it was the first one that was in front of my hand. Uh, that is always a good way a good of selection. picking beer. I'm picky. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have, from Arrowhead Ales, the entry-level snob, an American West Coast India Pale Ale with Citra Mosaic and Centennial Hops. Since it's a snobby beer, I must say all the words on the can, probably. Probably. Dave, what do you got over there? Uh, just drinking the Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra IPA, which is a oldie but a goodie, although they keep changing and kind of morphing their their lines uh, at Sierra Nevada, one of the oldest breweries that we could call maybe one of the original craft breweries. Um, oh yeah, when we started drinking beer, they were making the uh, Anchor Steam. And now it now it seems like uh, like they're more like a, a traditional uh, kind of. I feel like I got that wrong, but no, not know, they've not, been around. Not Anchor Steam. Not Anchor Steam. That's Firestone Walker, or you know what. Let's not get tangled up We don't up have in Google in front of us or anything, so we, we can't... That said, we, we've all got a selection of craft beers in front of us, and that's a good way to start the evening. Uh, Anchor Steam is a brewery, so there we go. Anyways, uh, we'll get to it in just a moment. So remember, folks, if you've been listening this season, uh, that we do a musical theme every show. And if you can identify the musical theme, send us an email, jason at drink5.com or david drink5.com. Let us know what the theme is. You may be the winner of a prize. And we did uh, get our first winner just recently in uh, a listener named Graham. So congratulations to Graham, and, and we will be 
sending you a nice little prize. Yes, congrats, Graham. He got our musical theme last week, which was Kendrick Lamar Jackson. (laughs) Was that actually what you what you wanted? What I intended? No. Well, okay. So (laughs) generally, there's there's an easy theme, and then there may be a more specific answer to the theme. And if you can elaborate a little bit and get it, uh, what I was going for, you may get a slightly better prize. So it's not always that way. This week, there is just a simple theme. <laughs> I, I don't have like a, a little bit extra to it. Um, but last week, there was a little bit more to it. And he, he nailed the, the hit the nail on the head. Fair enough. So uh, expect something in the mail uh, from Drink 5. Hope you hope you dig it. And let's let's move on to the subject matter here this evening. Okay, so it's week 14, and it's time for uh, the fantasy football playoffs, which is fucking awesome. Playoffs! Yeah, we're all playoffs. involved in the playoffs, and that's a good thing. We wouldn't want to be doing a podcast when we have nothing left to root for. Um, so we're going to cover trending players first. And uh, one of the players that I have been loving his trend lately is Rashad Penny, the running back in Seattle. Uh, week 10 at San Francisco, he had negative 1.8 points. Week 12 in Philly, there was a week 11 by there. He scored 18.9, and last week on Monday night, he scored 22.7 against Minnesota. So Penny has finally shown that he is worth the first round pick that he was after, that he was uh, taken with last year by the Seattle. Um, at least he has the talent. Maybe uh, it wasn't worth it because he hasn't produced on the field all the time yet. But he can now. And, well, they're a big, it. they're a big running team. When we talk about running teams like the 49ers in Seattle, who who do most of their work on the ground, even though they they both have quarterbacks. Talking about those two teams that are that are very good in the air as well. Indeed, they do. Um, and both teams utilize more than one back. Although it just started with Chris Carson only, and it looks like they're moving into having Penny as part. It of It was even with Chris Carson fumbling early in the year, they stuck with him and didn't really put Rashad Penny in a lot. Although he was getting, he was averaging about eight touches per game, maybe six before this latest outburst. Um, so over the last two weeks, he's had 236 yards from scrimmage, three touchdowns. He's seen a lot more work. He has 33 touches over that time period. He's been on the field for 47, 49 and 47% of snaps over the last two games, uh, which is the sort of stat that I like to see. I like to see uh, these guys getting on the field a lot because that means, in my opinion, that they have a much higher chance of getting the ball. Um, so those are the highest totals he's had all season. So here's my question with that that I'll uh, post to you um, as far as his big game that he had this past uh, Monday against Minnesota. Yeah. I heard uh, the story that towards the end, or at least one of the one of the scores, was Chris Carson going to Pete Carroll and basically taking himself out of the game so that Penny can get that time. Knowing that, nice. I mean, good job, Carson. Good guy, Carson. Oh yeah, props to him. You know, I have Chris Carson in one of my leagues. That's a different story, though. Um, Bad guy, Carson. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, with something like that, I mean, you know, we're talking about the production and the touches. It doesn't still seem like Pete Carroll may have the confidence in Penny that uh, that he would need to have consistency, though. I don't um, think if Pete if if Pete Carroll didn't have confidence in Penny, he would have said, "No, Carson, you're staying on the field." Um, so I, it sounds like a cool teammate story. Um, I heard plenty of like little theories, like from, from goofy stuff, like, Oh, he must have Rashad Penny on his fantasy team to, well, Chris Carson wants Rashad Penny to do well so that he'll get traded so that Chris Carson can be the number one back again all by himself. You know, there's all kinds of theories. I think that he was probably just trying to be cool to his teammate and they're trying to create some camaraderie, Uh, but for sure, 
if uh, Pete Carroll didn't have faith in Penny and didn't believe that he could score there, he wouldn't have put him in the game. That said, I bet you he's got some pennies on his fantasy team. (laughs) (laughs) That's Pete Carroll's decision, ultimately. It is... You know, it, it, it's nice of Chris Carson, but at any time he could just be like, hey, let me get a breather. You know, he doesn't have to be like, hey, I want to do it for him. So I, I did hear that story as well. It's interesting. I don't think that that's going to affect either player's fantasy value very much. Um, so uh, the Seahawks do want to give him the ball more. The San Francisco game where he scored negative 1.8, it's an aberration. He touched the ball once and he fumbled. But he's averaging eight touches per game over the season now. Uh, but the big thing is his upcoming games. He plays at the Rams, at Carolina, and then home against Arizona. And those last two games are going to finish the fantasy playoffs. The matchup this week against the Rams is tough, uh, but the Vikings and the Eagles give up fewer points to uh, opposing running backs than the Rams do. And you, you mean the Panthers great. and the Cardinals? No, no, no. no. I, what I mean is that he's playing the Rams this week, but the last two teams that he went off on are giving up fewer points to opposing running backs. So this is, you know, not necessarily something to shy away from because he's been doing well against good defenses. So you're going to do the wait and see approach or start and see approach, I guess is what you're saying. I like to flex him this week. I think that um, he's definitely that sort of RB three territory for sure. Um, And depending on how much work he gets, he could be a great start for weeks 15 and 16 against Carolina and Arizona, those two teams are giving up top 10 points to opposing running backs. Mm-hmm. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts on Rashad Penny? Uh, is he just a flash in the pan, or do you think that he's going to carry someone somewhere to a championship? Well, I think he's the 1B, and he'll have some games that are bigger and some games that aren't as big. Uh, it's clear that Carson is not going to go away, uh, but it's also clear based on his usage from the past couple games like you brought up, that he's now a factor in the running game. And, I mean, you also got to you know, keep in mind that um, they've got a MVP candidate quarterback uh, throwing the ball around as well. Who, is that uh, some kind of um, Russell Wilson? Is that uh, his name? Ish. Russell? <laughs> Russell. Mr. Uh, Mr. Sierra. Yes, uh, that's right. There you go. <laughs> um, but, I mean, We're going to call him Baby Rex. There you go. There you go. Um, but, I mean, that and, um, I mean, Josh Gordon is still uh, learning the offense. I mean, as he gets more familiar, you know, they may be more inclined to, uh, you know, throw the ball more to him along with uh, Metcalf and, like, and uh, Lockett. Yeah, Gordon had one catch last week, I think. What's confusing me is the lack of Tyler Lockett over the last few weeks. Hmm. He's I, I thought about putting him on there, but it was almost, like, too crazy. But he had zero points last week, and he, I don't even think he was targeted. Well, Lockett literally was was super uh, injured, and he couldn't even fly home. He had to come home on the next flight. Yeah, that was week 10 after the San Francisco game. Then he came back, uh, maybe a little too soon is what I consider uh, the situation having been. And then this last game, he had the flu, and it was, wasn't just a regular flu. It was horrible. And my understanding is, again, after uh, people talking to him after the game, all he wanted to do was go to sleep. He literally said that. He said, I don't want to be here. I just want to go to bed. <laughs> so, I mean, I think he was injured and then sick. And so I, I, I don't mind taking a couple games off and, and understanding that. But what's really difficult for a fantasy football player is looking at Tyler Lockett having that lack of production for like three weeks in a row and then saying, but it's fine. I'm going to start you in week 14. But with that, though, going back to um, uh, to, to Jason with uh, with Penny, um, you know that once Lockett, you know, gets everything situated with injuries and health, they're gonna go go to him like they used to. Yeah, like 100%. it's gonna happen. So I mean that, and they have me, good receivers. Exactly, so, they yeah. do. They've got options now. 
Um, so to me, that that does kind of worry me for for a second running back. I mean, Carson is still clearly the number one back in Seattle. Yeah. So is. I mean, with you know the the passing game, the receivers, uh, you know, progressing the way that they are um, compared to the last few weeks, that that just worries me uh, for a second running back in that offense. Hey, if they're gonna go ahead and put up thirty seven a game, then oh, I'm I mean, okay they do that. that. That that's. <laughs> but yeah, they weren't. I mean, against Philly, they only put up seventeen. But, you know, they have games of uh, 28, 30, 27, 40, 27, 37 this year. So, um, you know, the Seahawks offense is a, is a force to be reckoned with. And I definitely think against Carolina and Arizona, they're going to be putting up big points. So, uh, next guy on my list is Aaron Jones. Week 10 versus Carolina, big number, 27.3. But then in week 12 at San Francisco, only 3.8. Week 13 against New York, uh, in New York, in the snowstorm, in a game what I really would have expected him to be used a bit more. He only had 3.1 points. So he's a feast or famine type of player. He's got five games with four points or fewer. But he's also got games of 42, 34, 27. Um, and he's got some average respectable games thrown in there. But it's a very much a feast or famine guy. Um, but one thing I was surprised to see is that most of his stats, aside from his 11 rushing touchdowns this year, are down from his normal averages. So he's only averaging 4.1 yards per carry this year. And f- through his first two years in the, in the league, he averaged 5.5 yards per carry. So that's a big drop-off, in my opinion, for a guy who they're using a lot. So I would expect a small drop-off, not a one-and-a-half-yard drop-off. Um, so it's hard to predict kind of when Aaron Jones is going to break out, but I don't think that he's going to continue this under four points per game streak for the entire rest of the season. Um so here's how the rest of his year is going to shake out. He's going to play Washington this week in Green Bay. Then they host Chicago. And then they go to Minnesota for week 16. So Washington is definitely the best matchup of those three. They're giving up the 12th most points to opposing running backs. And Washington did just hold Christian McCaffrey to about 10 points. Um, and then you got to look at the next week where Jones only scored 3.9 uh, against, his, against Chicago in the first matchup. But then he had 21 against Minnesota in week two. And they're a good defense. So it's a tough one to predict with Aaron Jones. He is um, definitely a feast or famine guy. And I don't know that the uh, difficulty of the matchup is necessarily going to dictate that. However, I would start him definitely in week 14. And I would play matchups after that. If you have better matchups than Aaron Jones, I think that you may need to make a bold move and sit him in weeks 15 or 16. uh, Because you cannot afford a 3.7 points from your best running back. So Jamal Williams is a big factor in this. And and in previous years we talked about, or specifically last year, we talked about how Aaron Jones was, was losing work to Jamal Williams and we couldn't really figure out who was the right person to start at the right time. Of course, Aaron Jones did really well, uh, significantly well in fantasy earlier this year when you look at weeks two to five where he was scoring in PPR leagues, uh, 25, 15, 17, and 49 um, but when we look at the rest of the season, like you said, it's kind of hit or miss. But if you're putting in uh, Jamal Williams and looking where he was at, for example, in weeks 12 and 13 where Aaron Jones scored uh, 3.8 and 7.1 in PPR, Jamal Williams scored 10 and 15, and he had 10 and 11 attempts in those games. Uh, if you look back at some of the games where Aaron Jones was sort of uh, teetering down a little bit, Jamal Williams had 23, 13, 16 uh, and 18. So he's a bigger part of the game uh, in this last half 
than he has been uh, earlier in the season. And so it's it's kind of like that same situation with Carson and Penny, except these guys are much more intertwined. Um, the tough part about all these, these guys are like inverses. Yeah, the tough part about all these decisions is when do they use Williams based on uh, the game script? How do you determine what that is? So I don't know the answer. Um, I would I would say that Aaron Jones is probably the more physical back uh, for goal line situations, etc. And Jamal Williams is kind of like your uh, your guy that you're putting out there when you need some longer plays or, or passes in the backfield. But you can't really put them into those categories because both guys can do both things. So that's a tough one. But what we really need is Green Bay to step up and score more points if they continue to do as good as they did last week. And now they're playing Washington, for example, and then they play uh, then they play Chicago, whose defense has been faltering. And then uh, who do they play after that? I think Minnesota, so that's a tough one. Uh, but for the next two weeks versus Washington and Chicago, I wouldn't be surprised if they put up a lot of points and both those guys uh, can feed. Yeah, that, that'll work for me. I, I, I did see, I, I thought it was posted on Reddit, that basically Jamal Williams and uh, Aaron Jones were in inverse uh, rankings over the past four weeks or so, where one of them would be in the 30s and one of them would be like top 15 or 12. Yeah, like, I mean, we were talking about uh, Seattle situation with the 1A, 1B. I, I know Aaron Jones has had the uh, the, the, the monster uh, games a couple times this season, but it doesn't it never really seemed to be like there was a clear one A one B with Green Bay. There was just one one and one. Yeah, like it, it just seemed true. like they yeah. were they were they were one and the same. And the fact that they uh, you know they do have the inverse scoring, I mean that just uh, that just kind of proves it. Yeah, it's, at it's, least last week with uh, Seattle. You know, and not to belabor them too much, but Carson did have 100 yards and a touchdown still. It's basically, I mean, the last few years, you know, we've always said the uh, the Packers receivers are a crapshoot um, as far as like who's going to have a uh, who's going to have a big game. Um, the running backs are just uh, joining in the club there. It's uh, basically just Aaron Rodgers and a whole lot of good luck. Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams. If they're both healthy, right. then everybody else is whoever gets whoever gets the luck. Yeah, right. you know, true. you know, it's going to be somebody, but it, who? Who is it going to be? But Jones is, 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 I don't blame people for chasing his performances because he's had some performances that are league winners, you know, and that's... 44 points, I mean, that yeah, was a crazy game. You're like, let's do this, Jones. Let's let's get in there. This week, it's happening. And then he puts up like five. <laughs> it, it did not happen. No. It's rough. That's rough. Uh, so, next guy on our list is DJ Chark. So, week 11 at Indy, he put up 22.4 and then week 12 in Tennessee, only 5.8. Week 13 versus Tampa Bay, only 4.7. So Baby Chark has grown, uh, turned into a grown-ass man right in front of our eyes. Um, he had a very forgettable rookie campaign last year. 11 games, only 14 catches. However, this year he's on pace for 77 receptions, 1,175 yards, and 10 touchdowns. If you knew that going into the season, you would have drafted this guy early second round. Easily. Instead, he was. I didn't even look up his ADP. I bet it was not drafted. Is basically what his ADP not was. Not second round, at least. I mean, not fifteenth round even. In my in my guess. Um, so this year, overall, he's the WR five in standard scoring, and I give a lot of that credit to Gardner Minshew. Now, Nick Foles has had his moments with Chark, but over the last six quarters that Foles played before he got benched, he only targeted Chark five times. Meanwhile, Minshew came in last week, played just one half of football, and targeted Chark five times. So I expect Chark to step it up again with Minshew being named the starter for, I assume, the rest of the season, you know, aside from injury. So upcoming, he play, they host the Chargers this week, then they go to Oakland, and then they go to Atlanta. 
So it is set up very nicely for the semifinals and the championship, kind of like um, uh, Rashad Penny was. So if you can afford it, go with a better match matchup in Week 14 because the Chargers are giving up the third fewest points to opposing wide receivers. I believe that stat was somewhere in the neighborhood of giving up about 10 points to opposing wide receivers across the entire team of their opponent. And the Chargers uh, recently got back Derwin James and uh, uh, some other guys uh, that were gone at the beginning of the year. And they have a really good defense. Um, but you're right. Everything you've said about Chark uh, in general, I don't know that I uh, would call Minshew um, uh, like a, a good quarterback. But You he... take that back, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but he's certainly better than Foles this year, which is why they, they decided to take out the 80-plus million-dollar man and put Minshew back in. Um, and uh, someone along this conversational line uh, on a rankings article that I had man. on drink5.com earlier this week had asked the same question, which is, uh, why are you so high on Chark, asking me, uh, rankings-wise, after he had a horrible Week 13 and facing a good Chargers pass defense? Um, and the answer is, just like you said, because they're changing back to Minshew. When we look at Minshew and Chark, they've done very well. And when you look at the specifics of that game, there was nothing that happened in the first game. No receptions logged uh, under Foles uh, when he was the quarterback. And then Minshew comes in and he gets two receptions for 47 yards. So each game uh, going forward, I feel like the floor for Chark with Minshew is probably something like three or four receptions. And that's great for uh, someone that you can play as a wide receiver three who has a, an upside of like a, a wide receiver two or even higher. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Jason said, uh, he 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 wasn't a second or third round pick. He was a he was a late round pick, if any pick. So, I mean, when we're going into some of the uh, the tougher games uh, this week, um, as opposed to the next couple weeks, he's probably not your number one or number two receiver on your team. So, you probably have options. So, DJ Chark uh, was the 102nd wide receiver off the board. The 291st player overall. Yeah, and if you're so, and if you're in the playoffs, I bet you got at least two of those 102 uh, receivers uh, in, in front of them. So that's. Oh yeah, that is very likely. Um, so yeah, that stat I gave earlier, just wanted to specify a little bit more. The Chargers defense, and this is uh, via Roto World, has allowed an average of 10.9 fantasy points per game as a unit to wide receivers over the last four games. That is best in the NFL. The league average is 21.3 points. So with the addition of Derwin James, who came back last week, um, that's a player who we were kind of hyping last year as just an amazing rookie. Um, he came back last week. He didn't make a huge impact on the game, but I don't expect guys who miss most of the season to come back and immediately be an impact player. But coming up this week, next week, I think that you're going to see a really improved uh, defense from the Chargers. And they'll they'll keep him in the game just long enough for Philip Rivers to lose it in the fourth quarter, as is tradition. There's a charge away. Yeah, that's the way it works in San Diego. I mean, Los Angeles. So Darren Fells in Week 11 uh, at Baltimore scored 1.8. And remember, Darren Fells tight end for Texans. The Texans. Thank you. Um, week 12 versus Indy, <laughs> 2.4 points. Week 13 versus New England, 8.3 points. Um, I confess, I was going to say the Raiders. 
Yeah, I was wondering why we were going to be on that one. Like, no, not him. Not no. This is why I normally write these things down. Yeah. Anyways, a little bit of behind the curtain there for you. So Fells is trending up. Admittedly, he's no stud, but he clocks in as the tight end seven on the year. He's only owned in 37% of leagues. I don't understand that at all. Among the top 15 tight ends, he is he is by far the lowest ownership by like 20%. Um, and he's tight end seven. So if you're in the playoffs and you're streaming tight ends, he's an option that you need to be looking at. Um, Fellas has 11 red zone targets this year. That's good for third among all tight ends this year. Uh, did I mention he's only owned in 37% of leagues? Wait, how many? 37. No. So he's got the, um, he, his upcoming games are versus Denver this week, at Tennessee, and then at Tampa Bay. Uh, like a lot of these guys that we've mentioned, he's got a rough 14 makeup matchup. But it's one of the things that Dave mentioned last week is that you need to be picking up players planning ahead for the playoffs planning ahead to play good matchups and things like that so um denver is very good against tight ends and against the pass in general but the tennessee titans and the tampa bay buccaneers are giving up the seventh and second most fantasy points to opposing tight ends respectively so he's not a great option in week four but plan ahead he's got a great schedule coming up and pick up darren fellas to stream him if that's the sort of thing you're into Streaming tight ends. If that's the sort of thing you're into. If you're one of those guys. <laughs> like I am. Yeah, I mean, tight end is a position this year that was very scarce. And to just be able to grab the tight end seven is probably a good advantage. And, I, I, I you know, even in a lot of the leagues I'm in where I consider it to be possibly above, like, the, the average knowledge base of most fans, um, he's not owned in, like, many, if any, of those leagues. So I, I don't know why, but it's just kind of the way it goes. But, uh, you know, Darren Fells, check him out week 15 and 16 for sure. There's a star So remember, as Jason said, if you do know the musical theme, don't just tell everybody. Just email Jason at Drink5 or David Drink5.com, and if you're correct, we will be happy to send you some kind of a, of a prize, and you should be so happy that you were able to <laughs> guess that clue. Uh, but right now, we have a special report, and that report is on the Titans at Raiders game. Game of the week. Courtesy obviously. of Tad. That's obviously. Now, if you didn't know uh, this, Tad is a Raiders fan, and so he does have a lot of inside knowledge of that particular team. Here's your grain of salt to take with all of his advice, but I consider it to be <laughs> very true. good advice on the whole. I'd like to think that I, I, I keep it uh, keep it level. I don't do too much of the, the Homer opinions. Sure. But if I get to that level, feel But the Raiders are going to win the Super Bowl this year, right? I mean, at least twice. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yay, Madden. I don't know. <laughs> it'll, it'll it'll be it'll be a rough one. Um, so yeah, I mean the um, Raiders hosting the uh, the Titans this week. Um, you know, I think it's funny. Like you guys know, um, I spend um, most of my Sundays um, out out of, out at a bar, so that uh, not only can I watch the Raiders, but uh, I like to watch all the games. I like to you know sit in the middle of a room and have literally TVs. Just all around surround me. yourself exactly. with, with football. I, I like football. soak it in. 
I like football too. Well, let, let's yeah. talk about let's talk about the positions on the team. So, for example, the quarterbacks. Uh, how do you think Derek Carr and Ryan Tannehill are going to do? So, uh, it has been a struggle with Derek Carr. Um, <laughs> it is. It's been a rough, rough few weeks. I mean, the man got benched against the Jets. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, I just talked about how I'm not going to do the the Homer picks. Uh, you may call me out on, on this one here, but I mean, I'll, I'll wait to hear the whole thing before I call it, you a Homer. It, it may just be blind faith, but I mean, the man was a MVP front runner just three years ago. Uh, I, I just don't have it in me to say that he's done, he's finished, he's not a starting quarterback. That being said, he's due for a big game, and I think a home game. After an incredibly dismal two-game road trip with playoff lives basically on the line at this point, I think it's a perfect time for him to step up and have a big game. I mean, it may not be a 400-yard, five-touchdown game by any means, uh, but I I can go for a solid like 275, two touchdowns, maybe even a rushing touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, he will step up. On the other side of the ball... Um, the Raiders have a secondary that can make an average quarterback look amazing. Yes. It, it don't get much more average than Ryan Tannehill. Um, I, I, I would say that Ryan Tannehill is, uh, this year well above the Andy Dalton line. Oh, this is true. This is true. I mean, and then we all know that's a pretty high level to get at. <laughs> I don't know that that's fair to Andy Dalton this year. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even have a chance, that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty bad team he's on. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, simply put, uh, Tannehill's going to have another big game, too. Um, it's uh, Anybody is going to have a big game. I mean, you're talking about DJ Chark uh, uh, being a viable option in a couple weeks uh, against the Raiders. It's it's just, it's been a struggle. It's been injuries, really. I mean, uh, one of the first-round picks, Jonathan Abram, gone in the preseason. Uh, another starting safety, Carl Joseph, gone uh, uh, for, this, for the season a few weeks ago. So you think there's going to be a lot of passing touchdowns in this game? I think so. Um, I think so. Um, so who's uh, going to be catching those touchdowns? Very good question. Um, I, I, I like A.J. Brown. I, I think... I do, too. Yeah. I, I, do, I think he's... See, I think he's just... Uh, you don't hear too much about him because he plays for the Titans. Like, <laughs> the, there, there's not too much buzz, not too much really interest. It's amazing in the that Derrick Henry is known throughout the NFL. Exactly, really. exactly. Like the 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 Titans are they're sitting at what seven and six, uh, the seven wins I think. Uh, I right believe they have the same record as the Steelers. They would only have twelve games under their belt though. So six, and seven six, and five. Probably. No, seven and five. I, I'm I'm pretty sure they've got seven wins. Okay. Um. Which is amazing. Like I, I, you know, I was saying, like I watch all these, uh, I watch all these games. I can't really tell you that much about the Titans because I, they're just not exciting enough to watch. Like they don't have, there are other options. They don't have Mariota <laughs> anymore, so it's less frustrating to watch. At least. This is true. It's not not as not as fun as, on, on that way. Well, then, and most of the offense on the Titans ends up being from Derrick Henry lately. And uh, if you're just running the ball the whole He's time so in short bursts, it's mm-hmm. it's not the it's not the best kind of a most exciting game to watch when you're out at a bar. This or is whatever. true. This is true. Um, and speaking of those guys, so Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry are both solid plays in this game. Oh God, I <laughs> I like Josh Jacobs. Um, that was just a it's I remember um, great draft pick by them. Oh my goodness, that was obviously the best of the three uh, first round picks there. Um, it's he's already over a thousand yards. He's gonna get his. He's uh, I, I had mentioned that uh, um, it seems like every year there's one 
rookie running back that just steps up and becomes an elite running back immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it was, you know, Saquon his rookie year, uh, Zico Elliott his rookie year. Uh, yep. It's pretty obvious that that's Josh Jacobs uh, this year. He's going to be a uh, – he'll be a top five, top ten. Uh, He's got a real shot year. at offensive rookie of the year. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, on the other side of the ball, uh, Derrick Henry, I'm not going to lie, it does worry me a little bit. The, defense, the, the, the Raiders' defense is horrible, but the front line is pretty underrated, I think. Uh, you know, everybody, you know, they took Cleveland Farrell with the fourth pick. He's not the best defensive line. He's not the best rookie defensive lineman on the team. Max Crosby is and is going to be a superstar in this league, and uh, they got him in the third or fourth round. Uh, he had four sacks uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, he's the one to look out for. Him and uh, Maurice Hurst on the, on that line, they're going to do enough to contain Derrick Henry. And not only that, but um, surprise, surprise, I do think the Raiders are going to be winning this game, um, which means okay. that... You know, the Titans, you know, in the fourth quarter, they're going to be throwing the ball more. They're going to be focusing more on a passing offense to, you know, try to catch up. Um, So, obviously, that's going to take Derrick Henry out of the game there. Okay, and then tight ends Darren Waller, um, who you said earlier was the best fantasy tight end in the league, maybe. I I don't see how he's not, Um, especially, you know, watching the Raiders as much as I have. It seems like like when, when Derrick Carr steps back to pass, I'm pretty confident that that ball is going in the direction of Darren Waller. He looks for Waller first, most oh, yeah. think. And credit to you, you were all over him in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And, and he, you know, we liked him at Hard Knocks, but you said, no, this is a legit player. This isn't just one of those Hard Knocks things where they like to feature a guy that you never hear from again. Right, and um, and he's even uh, exceeded my expectations. Um, like, I thought he'd be you know, more than serviceable. Yep, serviceable. Um, I would just remind you of the man with the lady's name, Mr. Travis Kelsey. A little better. Just a little better than Darren Waller. I mean, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I mean, Darren Waller is good for eight catches and 100 yards and a score a game, it seems like. Because, I mean, the the more that, uh, um, you know, like we said, that's Derek Carr's number one go-to. He can turn a six-yard throw into a 10-yard gain at least. <laughs> which, which is it really like something we say about Bears players all the time. Which is really only because they they had uh, fashioned their team in the offseason to include Antonio Brown as well as all these other components. But now all they have is Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller right. and Tyrell Williams, who while he's good as a uh, you know a field stretching uh, kind of a receiver, if he's the only receiver out there yeah. to be a number one when Hunter Renfro is injured right now, yeah. uh, it's all Darren Waller. Exactly, exactly. Because those mean... double team Tyrell. Who are you going to pass the ball to? And he's been shut down. Yeah, they, that's what Evans <laughs> has been, have been doing. Uh, Williams has been shut down the last few weeks, uh, to say the least. Yeah. Excuse me. They, um, you know, they traded for Zay Jones. Remember him? Sure, Buffalo. Um, yeah, the guy that did that little lift up thing. That was, the guy that did this thing. Weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so yeah, I mean, Raider, Raiders receivers this week are just a, are a stay away, um, other than uh, other than Waller. And uh, and lastly, uh, defenses. So um, I've I've heard maybe play the Titans versus the Raiders, but you're saying the Raiders are going to score a lot of points in this, so that would be a, a no no for the yeah, Titans. Just steer clear of the defenses of this game. This so is no going to be this is going to be a high <laughs> high scoring game. If you're a gambler, take the over. Um, I mean, the Titans are going to get theirs, and the Raiders are going to get theirs plus seven or eight. 
Well, cheers to that. Uh, I have a couple of, uh, of little lineup things to go over here before we move on to the next segment. Oh, hit us. Uh, first one is from Twitter from David Marcus uh, asking Drink5, which of these do you prefer in Flex? So help me out, guys. This is a half PPR format. Which do you prefer in Flex? That's Robbie Anderson versus Miami. Uh, Darwin uh, at New England. That's Darwin Thompson, assuming that both of the Williams boys are out. Uh, or James Washington at Arizona. Um, and then wait one one more. Uh, Sony Michelle versus Kansas City. So, hmm. uh, so who would we play out of there? Uh, who was the first one? Robbie Anderson uh, on the Jets versus Miami. So Robbie Anderson, wide receiver, Darwin Thompson, running back against the New England. James Washington at Arizona, assuming that Juju's out and he's the number one guy again. And Sony Michelle versus Kansas City. I, I you know, out of that, I would probably. Um... That's a good question, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, I would probably go Robbie Anderson. I mean, it seems like uh, uh, it seems like Sam Darnold's uh, been getting a bit of a groove here the last uh, month or so, and uh, Robbie Anderson's been the uh, the beneficiary of that. So, um, um, I, you threw four names. I got Michelle. I got Anderson. I got Thompson. Who's the fourth? I feel like I've said it twice, but you know, you just did. for the benefit of the doubt here, James Washington. Uh, for, for those at home who may not have caught it, <laughs> well, no, well played, well played. Uh, uh, James Washington. Ah, uh, yes, I knew it was somebody slightly relevant. Um, I gotta say, slightly relevant. I'm sure he appreciates that. Sony you know? Michelle is probably the most, uh, the highest floor of this group. I like his matchup against Kansas City. Um, I am looking at Dave's rankings right now, which you can check out on drink5.com. The problem with Michelle is that if, if you look at uh, his his scores in the past, what, like five games, they've all been under 10, so single-digit score. Right. So looking at Dave's flex rankings, you've got Sony Michelle far ahead of all of the rest of these guys. I do. Um, so you actually have him as the RB20, um, and he's the 35th uh, or the 27th flex player. Uh, which is eight ahead of the ECR. Um, is, is there anything you like about Michelle specifically that we didn't mention? Well, you're talking about standard scoring, first of all, which would be different if it was PPR or half PPR. Oh, that's because, right. It was PPR. I forgot to change that. Michelle's not scoring a whole bunch of points right now. The pepper. Uh, in half PPR format, it would probably move Michelle down slightly because he's not the guy out a there lot, in the backfield. in fact. Field. He's down at 64 instead. Well, you're looking at flex then, not running back. If flex over, yeah, because we're comparing running backs and wide receivers. Yes, but... So Mich- he's 64 where Anderson is 71. Michelle is my highest rated out of that group in a flex position and half PPR. And that is exactly for the reason that you suggested, that he clearly has the highest floor out of all of them. He may have had a couple of low-scoring games, but at least he's not going to give you a zero, right? I agree. He's, <laughs> we know he's going to get the ball. I would... Of this group, like I'm okay with Robbie Anderson, James Washington. Stay away from Darwin Thompson, in my opinion. So, Darwin Thompson is a is a rookie, and he's a new guy, and it all depends on everyone else's injuries and game script. Uh, I would agree with you. I would say Michelle, if you want the floor, but I 100%, if I was going with my gut, if I needed points in this game, would go with James Washington, who uh, Pittsburgh's uh, Duck Hodges seems to like a lot. And they just continues they to throw hunting, the ball to they? They, they go hunting together. <laughs> so I would go James Washington in in this. And so what would you pick, guys, if you had to pick one? And why don't we write this down and we'll we'll figure it out. Um, I would say that it's got to be um, Sony Michelle. So Sony Michelle, James Washington, and Robbie Anderson. And Robbie Anderson. Yep. Would you take notes on that real quickly? 
Uh, we we nice will uh, we'll do it over a nice uh, a nice beer or something. Okay, so I'll, I'll let David know. Uh, I have a, another question here, and this one is actually from uh, friends of ours. That is Glenn and Troy. They have a gentleman's bet on Singletary. That's Devin Singletary, the truth, versus David Montgomery uh, from the Chicago Bears. Rest of season. So I want to talk about this topic just briefly. Uh, Devin Singletary has has come on and and been a, a very high performing running back in the last couple of weeks. Oh, when I say couple, I mean several because in week nine he had 20 rushes. Before that, only having 20 rushes in four games. So uh, after that, he had eight, 15, 21, and 14, uh, making his average amount of attempts per game something around uh, 15. Uh, he has scored. A, a couple of touchdowns in that time. And then David Montgomery, of course, um, we're all familiar being in the Chicagoland area with the woes that the Chicago Bears had early in the season running the ball. Even though David Montgomery had a ton of attempts, he got hardly anything out there in, in actual yardage or, um, or touchdowns. But when we started uh, looking at things going on later in the season, we saw him be a little bit more consistent. Uh, we saw some good games from him, specifically week eight versus the Los Angeles Chargers. I was actually at that game, 27 rushes for 135 yards and a touchdown, four receptions for 12 yards. So that was Not maybe bad. maybe his best game. Yes, his best game of the season. <laughs> so I went to David Montgomery's coming out party uh, and, and that was pretty fun. But he also That's is cool. right we're around. At, we're good at going to... Uh... Young running backs like milestones. Yeah, we were at Todd Gurley's first game. That's true. But but what I'm saying is what I'm trying to get at is in the past like uh, five or six games, both average around 15 attempts per game. Both have scored around the same amount of touchdowns, like three or so in the the same amount of time. Uh, so what I'm going to look at is the defensive matchups, and I'm specifically going to go on that for this. So I'll, I'll let you guys let me know what you think. But for me. Montgomery plays Dallas, Green Bay, and Kansas City, all teams that are not great against the run. David, I'm sorry, um, yes, Montgomery. Then uh, Devin Singletary plays Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and New England. Ouch. And those those teams are all excellent against the run. So based purely on the matchups, I would go with David Montgomery. If I was going based on the talent of the player this year with the team that they're on, I would pick Devin Singletary. So let me me hear what your... uh, so your answer is both. My my answer. <laughs> okay. His answer is neither. <laughs> no, my answer is is using the things that they laid out, which is who's going to have a better season overall uh, for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I'm going to say Montgomery based on the matchup. rest of season. Uh, I got to agree with Montgomery as much as I am a Bears hater. I cannot, in my right mind, pick against that like murderer's row of defenses that Baltimore, Devin Singletary Pittsburgh, New England. Play. Oh my God. When Pittsburgh, <laughs> who is playing very well right now, is the easy game on your schedule, <laughs> you're in trouble. That's a tough stretch. That's a tough stretch. Here's the thing that scares me, though. The Bills are right now in the playoffs and are still fighting for position. That's true. The... The Bills need the, to beat New England. If they can't beat New England, they're pretty much locked in the five seed. They'll definitely be trying harder than the Bears at this point see, in the season. And I like, definitely <laughs> can see them beating um, uh, beating the Steelers. They're better than the Steelers this year. but I, And I assume that they have a good Week 17 uh, matchup. 
See, I mean, everything that I've seen with the Bears, like more so, more Jets. than just um, yeah, that's what I was hmm? expecting. Sorry, they play the Jets in Week 17. Meaning, my point is, they they only need one or two more wins right. to lock in their five seed. Right, right. What I'm saying though is, with everything I've seen with the Bears, not just on field, especially off field. It worries me. This doesn't seem like a team that will continue to try 100% when they have nothing to play for. Which I'm sorry, is were they trying 100%? I'm, I'm this saying year? like it's exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, the Buffalo um, fans are breaking tables with their own backs. <laughs> so and, there's and, that. And the Chicago fans are just drinking too much and getting DUIs. The Chicago fans are about Field. to start screaming for Ron Rivera. <laughs> right. Any day now, when they realize Chico. that he's available, they're going to start screaming for him. Okay, so I, I'm voting for Montgomery purely on the matchups. Are you saying you want Devin Singletary the, because they're trying harder? The matchups scare me, but I will still go Singletary. Okay, and you are going what? I would go with Montgomery as well right. because of the matchups. Okay, I, so I think this late in the year, you've got to play matchups more than you would early in the year because we know a lot more about what to expect from the other team. So for the, the podcast overall consensus, we go uh, on that one, Glenn and Troy, with Montgomery. However, I think we all recognize that Montgomery um, – is on a team that is is just not playing as hard as the Buffalo Bills are, and Singletary is the truth. And we would like him to to battle through those tough matchups and win, but we don't think he will. I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the next segment. Oh, that Bowmore is amazing. Yes, it is, sir. Yes, it is. I can't be the only one that immediately thinks of Mr. Deeds when hearing this song. I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that movie. Oh, I think of lots of different movies, <laughs> you know, with this song. You should just spend a weekend just watching a bunch of bad Adam Sandler movies. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I do have Netflix. Well, they're all on there, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Even like the eight that he's required to do because of his Netflix contract. So, Dave, tell us about all the broken players in the league because that's important to know right now. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so let's start with the quarterbacks. And in the injury report for this particular week, we have Matthew Stafford. Uh, revisiting things from him with a fractured back, and we're just checking in with Matt. It's been four weeks since he's been out there, and uh, uh, since then, Driscoll, who did a really nice job for a number of weeks and and was throwing touchdowns, he was he was really overperforming, was sent to IR. The Lions are now three eight and one and eliminated from the playoffs or any contention uh, therein. So, what's the reason that Stafford is still around? Um, I'm, I'm fading a little bit more into a discussion around the NFL and not fantasy, so I won't linger on it. But I'm just curious for you guys, um, why do you think they even still have Stafford around on the roster and they haven't put him in an IR position yet? Because Matt Patricia needs to have his head checked. There's no <laughs> good reason to have Matthew Matthew St- Unless you're planning on looking at a new quarterback in the draft in the next year or two, and, and they're which not, they shouldn't be. No. There's no reason to have Stafford playing. You're not going anywhere. It's, it's not going to help anything. Just sit him and let's look towards 2020. The latest news from Stafford says, uh, uh, according to Roto World, that his back is healing, in quotes, as it should. Uh, and everyone is saying that he's going to heal. But there's no reason for him to even be active or, or you know, be trying to come back this year. Um, they have like 3-8-1 yeah. 
which means the best they can get to is seven, eight, and one, which is good for nothing. Yeah, they can't. They make might the pass the Bears in the division. So, in my opinion, uh, I think the Lions are just afraid to slap an IR tag on Stafford because that officially means that they suck and they failed. You know, I think it's probably the case of like Stafford is sort of a captain on the team. He's the leader of the team. Um, if he wants to be on the roster, they're going to let him because they're not playing for anything. Oh, that's true too. So there's no real loss. Sure. I assume that they make him inactive every week at least. Um, I uh, think so. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's like uh, maybe it's maybe like going to go emergency in there. quarterback. <laughs> yeah, just in case. Um, okay. His family has been through too much um, injury stuff this year to like throw him back in when he's not ready. Fair. But yes, he was inactive on Thanksgiving. So so that's just a touch point with him. Daniel Jones has a moderate high ankle sprain. So while you can recover from the more common lateral ankle sprain in less than a week, especially if you're a football player, a lot of those guys could recover in three days, you know, with all the treatments and everything they have from a regular sprain. A, a high ankle sprain is much more difficult to recover from. Uh, a regular person who is not involved in everyday athletics like uh, the people sitting around the table right now. That's me. Would probably <laughs> How take... How dare you, James? Would probably I take... I did a sit-up the other day, all right? James, come on now. You mean you sat up? Just being honest, <laughs> I get a beer. it would probably take us like six to eight weeks if you're not doing regular physical uh, exercise or athletic activity to recover from that same injury. Wow. But uh, someone like... From the lateral kind? No, from from, from a the high, easy kind. From a high ankle sprain. Okay. No, a regular sprain would, would probably only take you a week. I've had regular sprains just playing basketball oh, yeah. uh, or whatever, and it only usually takes a week or two at most. But a high ankle sprain is one that's a little bit more difficult to get over. Now, again, as the Giants are currently 2-10, and 10, they are not in danger of making the playoffs. That is not going to be a problem for them. So uh, the organization probably wants to take it easy with their future quarterback. And what this means is what we were talking about offline. Eli Manning is coming back to play maybe his last games with the G-Men. So what do you guys think about that? Now, not what he's going to do, but just how do you feel about Eli Manning returning to play what may be his last games ever as a, as a Giant? Um, you know, I like it. I think that I, – I, I, I think Eli was underrated in his career. I think he got a lot of slack. I think he got a lot of um, – you know, he's Peyton's, Peyton's little brother – you know, so he's expected to be this, uh, you know, best quarterback of all time, but uh, uh-huh. didn't, didn't live up to that level. He was certainly but a great athlete. He was. Yeah. He was more than, I mean, he was good for 4,000 yards a year. Um, you know, he, he won two Super Bowls. He, he's, I, I, I like the fact that he's going to be able to, to, to go out with the Giants on the field. Um, does he, now is this a retire at the end of the year or audition for next year for another team well i don't know either thing could happen but but it's not so relevant to our fantasy discussion um i i do think that eli has a good chance of not playing football after the giants because at this point i don't know what more he could do however the mannings just seem like they want to play forever so I wouldn't be surprised if he just goes and plays in an interim capacity when someone drafts a rookie and signs Eli for a year. You he'll know, the Broncos. Like his brother, he'll play a year or two longer than he should. Yeah. So uh, what will Manning do for this offense? Um, in in uh, is in a change from Daniel Jones. 
I think he'll provide that veteran presence. There's some things that he knows how to do that a rookie wouldn't. Uh, also, lots of shorter passes, which is what he's done over the past couple of years, the seven, eight-yard passes, and checkdowns to guys like uh, Evan Engram and Saquon Barkley. So, in other words, what I think will happen is that this will improve the games of those short yardage players or players that are around the backfield and probably... Uh, lessen the the fantasy value of the wide receivers on the team. Um, I also don't think that there will be a major change as far as how often the Giants have been turning over the football. If you look at how Manning played in the beginning of the year, he threw two passing touchdowns in the first two games, also two interceptions and two fumbles in two games. It's consistent. <laughs> so I, he was very good. And, and what do I expect in this next game against the Eagles? Probably... Uh, an interception and a fumble and a touchdown. Let's be honest. Sounds about right. That's the trifecta, <laughs> the Manning trifecta. Right. One each, pow, pow, pow. So the, I should call it the Eli trifecta because yeah, the Peyton trifecta <laughs> is just three touchdowns. So I'm looking at Barkley and Engram as slightly upgraded, and the rest is being kind of unpredictable. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, Barkley's been um, he's been a bit of a disappointment this year compared he's, to what he's he been was, extremely uh, disappointing. But do you think this could maybe propel him into being an RB one like he's supposed to be? I, I think so. I mean, uh, it may just be a matter of uh, not having the uh, the connection with Daniel Jones just yet. Uh, he obviously had it with Eli, so uh, right, right. definitely going to be a bit of a boost for him. Do you guys like Evan Ingram to start this week? I mean, not start, but start in fantasy if he's playing. Uh, yes. If he's playing, yeah. And oh. you're okay with that because it's a Monday night game, so you might, you know, you could always get screwed on that. Well, we'll see what happens as we progress. But I mean, I, yeah, I, it's... I didn't even include Engram in the injury report, I don't think, because, have a backup plan, because the the well, the latest news says that he is practicing and, and good to go. Great. But but you're right. I mean, you shouldn't just assume that anybody's perfect, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, lastly we have Baker Mayfield with a hand injury. Mayfield smashed his throwing hand against Bud Dupree's face mask from the Pittsburgh Steelers on a long bomb downfield. Couple things here. One Baker threw the ball like 70 yards, and it was pretty impressive. I, I really thought that that throw was really great. It was a great throw. But he smashed his hand in such a way that I don't think he's going to immediately recover. Are we sure that Bud Dupree didn't throw his face mask into the hand? <laughs> I, was watching, I was watching only this game. And and I saw the whole thing repeat like five times. Oh, they just kept playing it over yeah. and over? Yeah. I mean, it was just like smash, you know. It like came right across Bud Dupree's fingers into his face mask. Because you imagine if he was going to throw the ball 70 yards-ish. like you got a big follow through. That's not like, yeah, that's, no one can do that. That's not like uh, Philip Rivers who just kind of Yeah, it's not it. just a little flip there now. And it's not even about the big follow, follow through, but how powerfully you're following through. That's true. Yeah, that's and the so velocity. That's the problem. Is mm-hmm. So he pretty much smashed what I could see the top of his like index finger and the thumb of the his right throwing hand. Okay. And I don't see how he can be okay right now. He came back from X-rays and they were they were good. They were. Uh, he probably couldn't throw a ball the next day. Well, uh, I don't know, but he didn't. He didn't. He hasn't thrown a ball yet. He didn't even throw a ball in practice today. Reminds so. me of Cam Newton's injury last year. <laughs> When they were like, we're not going to have him throw until game day, and then we'll see. So what we know is this. His hand was heavily taped today. He hasn't thrown a ball since he got off the field on Sunday. Uh, and so until he throws a ball on Thursday or Friday, I still don't think he's a lock to start here, especially considering they're playing against the Bengals, and the Browns don't have a really good shot to make it this year. But, of course, they're still going to try because they could still beat the Steelers and make it to the wild card if, it, wild card if they win the next you know, four games. Um, 
That said, uh, keep an eye out to make sure that Mayfield is a full participant in practice later this week because they are playing the Bengals. And uh, I will not often tell you to start Mayfield, but I did against Miami. I will again against the Bengals. So Jason E. from uh, Chicago has a lineup question. He has a two-quarterback league, and he wants to know if he should be starting Baker Mayfield or Jacoby Brissett. Oh, I don't know who Jason E. is. <laughs> he, he, full disclosure, he's playing against David B. <laughs> what, what are the quarterbacks? What are the quarterbacks? Baker or Brissett? <laughs> okay, so I have Brissett at 19 and Baker at 20, so good luck, my friend. Oh. <laughs> Here's a coin to flip. Here's what yeah, I would right. say. If, if if Baker is not fully throwing the ball with it, like tape off... Then you can't start. Then you can't start. Although it's a great matchup. They're playing Cincinnati. Just what I said. I like that. But how could you possibly... Possibly start a guy that like had a glove on and exactly. now has a taped up hand and hasn't thrown a, a football. The in three only days. gloved football player or quarterback you can start is Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> all right, Tough all right. Player. Teddy, two gloves. Uh, <laughs> so, so that's the quarterbacks. That's that's what I got. Um, we'll move on to the running backs in a minute. Glennon in the chat room says Minka is yeah, the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's right. He is the best with Patrick in the league. Minka, Minka and uh, and TJ Watt have changed the face of that Oh, that's defense. a fun spelling of Minka. I'm going to go ahead and... Uh... What do we got there? <laughs> M-I-N-C-A-A-H. Mm. It's close. close. It's close, yeah. A for effort. Um, so now we're looking at running backs. I'm going to try to go through them a little bit quicker because we do have some matchups uh, before we end the show. So let's talk about Delvin Cook. Now this is a big one, guys. So Delvin Cook, shoulder injury. He was forced to leave Monday Night Football after suffering that injury to his shoulder. This is a really high-profile one because Cook was second in points among all running backs in fantasy, except for who? Probably um, Derrick Henry. No, Christian McCaffrey. Are you kidding oh, me? Oh, well, over the last <laughs> little while. No. Derrick Henry might be all right. But, but you're talking for the whole season. He's no yes. Christian McCaffrey, my friend. Uh, we are hearing a Fair few enough. things here. So here's, and, and listen up, this is interesting. This was apparently not a shoulder injury at all, even though they're describing it as one, but an aggravation of his pre-existing chest injury Eesh. and a possible issue with his clavicle. So the people that are, nice. are around the team and looking uh, at Cook himself are thinking that this is something that is much bigger than he's letting on and the team's letting on. Um, he says over and over again this week, I'll be out there on Sunday, I'll be out there on Sunday, it's no problem, I'll be playing. That's great. But that's coach speak and player speak. And that might be true. Maybe he is out there on Sunday, but I guarantee you he will be limited in some way oh, based yeah. on that injury. He didn't come back, he didn't try to come back, he didn't even move like that. He went right off the field and gone. The, there's no way that he's just going to come back and be 100% healthy. And I mean, we were talking earlier about uh, you know saving Stafford, uh, saving Jones uh, for the for the future of the team. This is a matter of saving Cook for the future of your playoffs. Sure, I mean, you're, you're, you're in, you're in basically. And I, Alexander I Madison is a, is a fine back. Very, I, I it, you know it's funny. I drafted Madison in a couple weeks as a as a uh, as a handcuff. Um, I drafted him a couple weeks ago, so obviously now Cook gets hurt. So Viking fans, you can blame me. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, no, he's gonna be he, he's gonna be a pretty uh, pretty solid uh, fill in uh, for Cook. So I certainly don't think that they need Cook to beat Detroit and David Blau in yeah. Week 14. So they in Week 14, and then Green Bay in Week 16 both have bad uh, rush defenses, and Alexander yeah. Madison could do just fine. So whether or not Cook is in in a limited capacity, I think we need to seriously consider and even probably assume at this point that Cook is going to be held to be limited or out so that they can have him for the playoffs. Exactly. Just like Tad said. So watch it closely. I hope you were able to land Madison if you were a, uh, a Cook owner. And even if you're not, if he's available in a league and you don't go get him right now, then you are a fool, sir. Uh, Madison should be owned in every single league because over the next couple weeks, he could be a blockbuster. Um, but that said... If Cook is able to come back and be 100%, um, then it, it relegates him to, uh, again, not even a 1B player on that squad, but someone who's more like a 1C or just a bench warmer. And that's how he was for the first half of the season for you. This, this is a good truth. And I, you know, I, I'll tell you what. I, I remember last year um, in the fantasy playoffs was when uh, Derrick Henry just went yeah. just went off. Yeah. I'm not saying that. Uh, that it was like the last five games of the season. Yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying Madison would have that kind of an, an impact, but he might. opposite defenses would see it as a backup and focus more on the passing game of the Vikings and may lay off a little bit, and he has the potential. Madison has the potential to break out for at least like one, 150 in a game. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's not just a red flag. It's a giant red neon sign that says there's something wrong here. Uh, do something about it, you know. Um, uh, so Matt Breida, ankle, is practicing on Wednesday. And he should play against New Orleans this weekend. Raheem Mostert was a monster against the Ravens, putting up 146 yards and 19 carries. Monster? Monster. Nah, I'm, I'm trying too hard. This well, is not going to work. I could try to practice some Wujin here, but I don't know how it would work. Mostert, <laughs> monster, Munster. Munster? <laughs> no, we're not going to do it. I'll just sit back and watch. That's cool. With Tevin, <laughs> with Tevin Coleman's usage waning a little bit here, this could mean a shakeup in the depth chart with Brita and Mostert on top for the rest of the season. Maybe. But ultimately, probably with the 49ers, it'll be this three-headed run game where one person gets most of the carries based on who has the hot hand or who is not as injured as the other two. And that's kind of how <laughs> that's how I see it going, and that's just how it is. Well, so if you I mean, say if you say Coleman's not going to do well, he's going to go out there and score thirty five points. Is he, it decidedly Mostert's right now? After like Coleman basically got benched, no, and Breed is still not on the field. It's not decidedly anything. Okay, but Breed coming back introduces the 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 issue with uh, with Coleman. What before might have been touches guaranteed to him, at least those being perceived as. Uh, touches uh, guaranteed to him are now not anymore. So that just lowers the window of opportunity in which you have to work with. But I think that the coach there and the play calling is really centered around who's doing well now, and that's it. I, I don't see uh, why it wouldn't be. And I know the 49ers have been struggling a little bit with the run game over the past couple weeks. You could put that on Coleman, or you could put that on other injuries that are occurring on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, that is one of the most hot-hand situations I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Jordan Howard with a shoulder. The Eagles play on Monday Night Football this week, so Howard has a little extra time to get right. Now, he hasn't been cleared for contact just yet. He is expected to practice this week, however. So let's talk about, in the meantime, Miles Sanders has sort of taken over the bell cow. Here's another rookie who's done really well just recently. He gets a lot of work in the passing game as well, which makes him a guy who is suddenly an every-down back 
for a team that is uh, running a lot of snaps on the offense. So he's basically an RB2 and has been for the last two games. Jordan Howard, if he comes back in, is going to immediately mess that up, making both of them basically flex plays and unplayable uh, in, in most leagues if you already have guys to fill those positions. It's, it's tough. Let me throw you a few numbers. So Miles Sanders, last three weeks probably uh, with no Jordan Howard, he's been in on, in on at least 85% of offensive snaps. Before that, he peaked at 53%. He's more like a 40 to 45% guy. Yeah, so this is his moment in the sun, right? But it could end very quickly. There could be a sunset before you know I think they like what they've seen. I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up with more than 50% with Howard back, but it is definitely going to take a big hit. Well, it just takes you from RB2 to, like, uh, flex slash bench, you know, and that's unfortunate. Flex bench. It's unfortunate for these uh, for people that have held on to him or people that have him on the bench that brought him out because of other injuries. But, yeah, it's something to watch, like all of these are. Here's another one. James Conner, shoulder injury. Pittsburgh has won six of their last seven games, believe it or not, uh, with or without an offense. And heading into this weekend... Mostly without. They'll be they'll be doing everything they can to try to get their lead running back back on the field against Arizona. Because uh, Arizo- Arizona is not that great against these guys. And as you guys probably know, having watched a lot of football like we do every single Sunday, Thursday, Monday, and any other day football's on... Day football. Uh, the, without Coming Connor, soon to Saturdays. Without <laughs> Connor, you've, you've got uh, Benny Snell and Jalen Samuel. And uh, and Benny Snell is going to be the guy that has the short yardage and the goal line situations, undoubtedly, all the time. They tried Jalen Samuel. It didn't work. Jalen Samuel will take almost all of the third down and passing down uh, snaps. And that's how the split is because those guys are simply not good at the things the other guy is good at. James Conner can do both. If he's able to come out there, he will be immediately an RB1 in this offense. And he had a limited practice on Wednesday, which raises hopes for him to practice for the rest of the week and come back out. So great for Connor owners if that happens. But if it doesn't, remember this. Remember that Benny Snell uh, is averaging about 18 attempts for 80 yards and a, a half of a touchdown over the two games that he came in relief of Connor. And that is automatically RB2 or above behavior. And I, I played Snell last week, and I wasn't sure I should, but goddamn, I'm happy because I benched Ronald Jones, and he did <laughs> he did nothing. He did nothing. He that's that's a Bruce Arians. Ronald thing. Jones is generally a good move. No, he was good before then, and then in that game. No, but like on average, it's the right move. <laughs> just set me up for this, man. I mean, in, in the game, right? He he uh, he fumbles or doesn't fumble, but he 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 misses a pass protection block, and Bruce Arians says can't pass protect. Not a running back on my squad, so he's gone for the rest of the game. Got to protect that Jameis Winston future. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't really have a whole lot of uh, of, of fantasy um, uh, chutzpah towards Jalen Samuel anymore because that offense doesn't need to just pass the ball in little spurts. Uh, it started. Well, yeah, it's not Mason Rudolph led anymore. It started to throw downfield, so Jalen Samuel is just not getting the points. It's going to be Snell for me, or it's going to be Connor. Connor is the number one, obviously. Snell would be the number two. I really don't play a Samuel. Um, let's talk about the Williams boys, Damian and Daryl. Uh, Damian has a ribs injury, and Daryl has a, uh, or is it Darrell? You tell me. <laughs> you pick one. I think I spelled them I all correctly Darryl. this time, though. <laughs> uh, Daryl Williams with a hamstring. So it looks like Damian has a better shot at suiting up for the week, but. 
Both have yet to practice, the Chiefs' backfield is really messy, and they just signed Spencer Ware. So with Spencer Ware, Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, and Darwin Thompson, it, it's not only difficult to uh, figure out how to pronounce everything and say it quickly one after another, but it's also difficult to determine who to start. And so I think you start LaShawn McCoy, you get screwed. You start Darwin Thompson because you think he's going to be the hot hand, you get screwed. You start Damian Williams, you get screwed. You can't start anyone on this offense. Do you agree? I mean, not in the backfield. Not, yeah, not in the backfield. As a running back. As a running back. <laughs> Tell me, who's what running back would you start next week? From I can give against you the Patriots? I can give you a list that's not including in the Chiefs. Though. I would start <laughs> Christian McCaffrey against the Patriots. That's about it. Yeah, I appreciate that. I agree. Uh, let's talk about Josh Jacobs a little bit. Uh, fractured shoulder. Did you see the the picture that he was sending out? He said he's been playing. He's been playing with a fractured shoulder mm-hmm. since week seven. Is he wearing like a splint? What, is, what was the picture? Uh, he put out a picture on Instagram of uh, of the shoulder, and I think it had like a big bruise on it or something. Ooh. But anyway, uh, like you said, the guy is an elite running back from what he's shown, especially on that team doing what he did. But he's playing through injuries, and that's really tough. It, it is. It is. And quite honestly, the fact that um, uh, I honestly didn't know that. I, I didn't uh, didn't hear about the the, the shoulder there. Uh, but knowing that That's and knowing that came out this evening, I believe. Wait. No, he he posted it to social media like three days ago. However, oh. it is on Roto World uh, as of five sixteen p.m. Central Time. So you you are right. It did come out there. I evening. wait for other people to tell me what's on social media. Makes sense. <laughs> but I mean, the fact that he's been as impressive as he has been uh, since week seven. With apparently one and a half arms, right? Uh, it's it's he, he he's good. Yeah, he's, he's very good. good. Uh, me personally, I mean, I would if the Raiders lose another game, then sit him. In my but, expert opinion, he's good. Yes, <laughs> I, I thought about this long and hard. Uh, here's another guy, Kalen Ballage, uh, with a leg injury. He's off to IR. The Dolphins claim Zach Center off of waivers, and they also have uh, second year Patrick Laird. And rookie Miles Gaskin, and those guys both, uh, much like Snell and uh, Jalen, excel in different ways. And it doesn't seem like the Dolphins want to choose one; they just want to kind of play everybody and figure out what they have in, until next year. The Dolphins and... had their punter throw a pass to their kicker. They don't give a shit about this year. <laughs> well, next year I think they're just going to draft another running back. And my whole point with bringing that up was just that, uh, much like the Chiefs. But for a much more apparent situation uh, and reason, you should avoid the situation entirely. And uh, that's all I have. Yeah, I agree with that. So don't play Chiefs and Dolphins running backs. It's not going to help your fantasy score. That's all I'm saying. Special thanks to uh, my good friend Bill for creating this playlist tonight, by the way. And remember to send us the theme to Jason at drink5.com or Dave at drink5.com. I'm looking for tonight one word for the theme. Is Bill playing the royalties to the bands then? Is that what's happening? 
Um, no, but Spotify is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully that's enough to not get us in trouble for now. A special thanks to Spotify, and uh, we hope you like the fractions of sense that we sent you, bands that we played. Um, Julio Jones with a shoulder injury. Jones was a game-time decision last week during the Turkey Day games in the evening. And thank God he was in the evening game so that I, for example, being a Julio Jones owner, could swap him out for uh, the guy who kind of filled in for him, uh, Russell Gage. And he ended up with five receptions for 52 yards and a touchdown. So thank you, Russell, as well as Bill and Spotify and the band. <laughs> and Chad uh, for joining us. <laughs> You know, we, we, there's a long list of thank yous. But what I didn't really realize about Russell Gage, because I haven't been paying very close attention to the Atlanta Falcons games because they are a little boring to me. I'm sorry, any Falcons fans that are around. I kind of feel the same way about the, the Titans. Like, Matt Ryan will just throw the ball forever, but nothing ever seems to happen. <laughs> you know? Oh, my Lanta. He was like, oh, I had 450 yards and one touchdown. It's, uh, you know, I, What did I, you do all that time? That sounds like uh, <laughs> a... Um... Jared Goff stat line as well. You know, for those that uh, that read my confidence uh, um, picks uh, every week, uh, you'll you know, available you'll, on drink5.com. There you go. They'll be up tomorrow. Um, you know my opinion on the Falcons. The Falcons for me are have been the most frustrating team. I I, I seriously think like in the years that I have been doing the uh, the confidence picks for Drink Five. I mean, we're doing we're at what like five six seven years at least at this point. Sure, it's been a while. You just can't yeah. you can't tell if they're gonna win or lose. At I this think point. I've, I'm at like a ten percent success rate with Whoa, the no. Falcons. So you're saying like, pick pick the opposite? I'm, I'm saying whatever I whatever <laughs> I decide there, go opposite. It's, it's I could it's, totally see the Falcons being like the team this year that got picked to win the most that. Totally let everybody know. Oh, yeah. What, what is their record usually? Is their record usually kind of like 500-ish? The Falcons? Yeah. Well, I mean, they were in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Yeah, sure. I'm saying on, like on average over the time I think that, they've tried that you to, were doing the confidence poll. Tried to get that out of their mind. So uh, they're 3-9 <laughs> and nine this year. Last year they were 7-9. and nine. The year before they were 10-6. and six. The year before that they were 11-5. and five. Okay. Before that they were 8-8. Eight and eight. So, so I, I, I would consider the strategy of just picking the Falcons every time because that would give you Dan a Quinn higher era. than 10% success sure, rate. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Although maybe not this year because they're apparently only won three games. Um, but, but Julio Jones um, is probably going to play this week. So Coach Dan Quinn expects him to play. He is practicing in limited fashion already on Wednesday. Um, and against the Panthers, who, by the way, have been giving up huge games to opposing wide receivers, Devontae Adams and other guys that they've played have been 20-plus fantasy points for the past couple weeks. So Julio Jones playing in that kind of game, he's really set up for like a 25-point or more game uh, against that team. But what I wanted to mention mostly was Russell Gage. I didn't know much about him, like I said, because I wasn't paying that close attention to the Atlanta Falcons offense because I was watching other games that were more interesting. Just admittedly. And Russell Gage has been involved in the passing game even before Julio's injury. Um, around the time that uh, uh, Sanu was traded to, uh, or Sanu, however you pronounce that one, is was traded to the Patriots. And so he's been doing well, kind of under the radar for a while. And when you look at that offense, you have a guy who throws a lot of yards and Matt Ryan. Your wide receivers are Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage. Yeah. And so here's a guy who actually is kind of a you know wide receiver four or five who might fill in as a flex play even if Julio Jones plays. So it's something to keep in mind. Well, I think he takes a little hit too if Austin Hooper is back because they really did great things with Austin Hooper this year. 
and and we'll touch on Austin Hooper as well. I suspect that the next position up might cover him. <laughs> uh, John Ross with a clavicle. Ross is back, and Dalton under center. The Bengals are showing signs of life. Believe it or not. Do you believe it? No. No, see, well, he didn't believe it. Do you believe it? <laughs> nope. Uh, well, I kind of believe it. So you got Joe Mixon doing a little bit better. You've got uh, guys like Auden Tate uh, uh, stepping up uh, in that offense with Andy Dalton. And now you have John Ross back, who's a field stretcher. So they could win a couple more games. I mean, it's not in their best interest, but they could. <laughs> Um, apparently, an interesting story about John Ross is that uh, his injury that he suffered in week four against the Steelers was life-threatening. Did you guys know this? Eesh. What was it? So, he uh, had a sternoclavicular joint in, in his chest, and it was just an inch away from, uh, it kind of came out or, or... I think you brought this up on the podcast. I, I may have talked about it in yeah. week five. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, it almost punctured an artery. And uh, the doctor said it was like, you know, just centimeters or inches away from, from like, killing him. And the funniest thing was... Uh, this sounds hilarious. Wait for it, guys. Was John Ross. John Ross asked the doctor, he's like, well, can you fix me, though, Doc? And the doc's like, yeah, we can fix you. And he's like, all right, fine. Uh, then I'm good. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to hear about it. Just fix me and put me back, put me back in there. But he was on IR for a while, and uh, coming back from IR... Uh, is that a smart move to start him in his first game after being out for most of the season? I say no, probably not. Um, but no. sometimes we don't have the luxury of a lot of choices, and this is a choice. Uh, Ty the Browns. Yeah. Yeah. Pass. Ty Hilton with what you're going to see that he's going to score like an 80 yard touchdown or something. You know, this is the sure. kind of thing that happens with John Ross. The Browns are giving up the 11th fewest points to opposing wide receivers. I'm not telling you to play him. I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying that he is a playable person that could score 16 points. You know, and sure. be better than someone playing like Sammy Watkins or. Uh, uh, one of those guys that is like now in the wide receiver four. Yeah, I don't want Sammy Watkins on my team right now. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, T.Y. Hilton with a calf injury. This is another tough one uh, because the calf injury is lingering, and at this point he's talking about shutting it down. He says, if I can, I can. If I can't, then I might just shut it down. He literally just said that, uh, I think, yesterday. It makes sense. The Colts are pretty much out of the playoffs because the there's two teams ahead of them in their own division. So they lost Ebron on IR, Mac with a hand. Uh, they, they don't have their original quarterback. Of course, now they have Brissett. Brissett was just recently down with an injury. Uh, they have a, a rough uh, wide receiver core situation. Uh, but Marlon Mack is back at practice this week, and he's looking to play in Week 14 against the Bucks, which would take Jonathan Williams and uh, Naheem Hines and, and relegate them to the bench. I just think uh, that I don't see Hilton suiting up this week or anytime soon or anytime this year. I think if you have Hilton on your team, you might as well just cut him right now and pick up Zach Pascal. Uh, here's a guy who last week against the Titans exploded for 109 yards on seven receptions. Who is there to throw the ball to on the Colts? Jack Doyle and Zach Pascal, and that's it. Yeah, so, I mean, that sums it up. I mean, so you know, take the, those the ball's got to go somewhere. Play yeah. those players. Yeah. Um, so I feel bad for Ty, but but you guys tell me, do you think that you, if you had him on your team, you wouldn't you wouldn't drop him, you'd keep him? Nope, I'm dropping him. Yeah, I'm done with him. All right, well, I love drop him. him or cut him. It should be a segment for us. It's so nice when people uh, drop him or cut him. Drop him yeah. or cut him. Drop him or cut him. <laughs> I'll say I'll say cut him. What do you say? I drop no, I'd him. rather drop, drop him. him actually. <laughs> drop him and cut him. <laughs> if you really don't like the guy, drop him, cut him, remove him. <laughs> Uh, Adam Thielen, and, and this is bad news for Thielen owners in general, 
Uh, it looks like his injured and then aggravated hamstring is not getting any better. There's whispers in the in the whole industry of this being related to the same hamstring injury he had several years ago, which had him out for a long time. He was practicing last week, and then he like became more limited in practice, and then he was ruled out for the game. And this week, he's not practicing at all. And everything I see from the coaches and from the beat reporters say it's just getting worse. And again, uh, things around the team say he's not going to play. He might not play at all for the next couple of weeks. The game that he did start, he burned everyone by getting one target and going out of the game. <laughs> well, it's just like T.Y. Hilton. It's the same thing that he did, and it's these soft tissue injuries that are really hard for these players to get over. And you might even think as a player that, yeah, I'm over it, I'm good, uh, but they don't have you test it too hard, right? They leave it for the game. And as soon as you go right. out there, you're done again. So for us as fantasy players, I don't see how you could possibly start Adam Thielen at all ever until we're sure that he's 100%. So you've seen him play a whole game. Yeah. So, um... I, I kind of like Kyle Rudolph here picking up some of the slack. In the last few weeks, he's had 15, 12, and 11 points, 16 targets total over those three games. And I agree with you because the other wide receivers here, uh, besides uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, it's B.C. Johnson. Ola B.C. hasn't had a game above 43 yards all year. So really, you're just going to get uh, running backs um, who, are, who are absorbing some of those targets as, long, uh, as well as Kyle Rudolph and their, their stud tight end, their, the young guy, Irv Smith Jr., so that's what you got. Tight ends and running backs getting all the targets. Kyle Rudolph somehow owned in almost twice as many leagues as Darren Fells. <laughs> <laughs> and how many uh, leagues is Darren Fells owned in? 37% oh, of Yahoo right. leagues. That's right. Uh, and and uh, we, we talked about Hunter Renfro a little bit earlier. I don't think he'll be back this week. Uh, he may come back soon. I'm not sure, but he didn't practice on Wednesday. That slot receiver for the Raiders is really important for that offense because it it's the only other wide receiver they can throw to besides Tyrell Williams. It, it really seems to be. I mean, it's uh, you know Renfro was a um, wh- whether he was catching the ball or not or getting thrown the ball or not getting thrown the ball, he was a key part of that offense. Um, basically, just making sure the defense was uh, was on their toes and didn't just put all the focus on Waller or Williams. Yep. Uh, run through this last one real quickly. Taylor Gabriel concussion. Uh, he remains in the league's concussion protocol. And Anthony Miller, since T- Taylor Gabriel's been out and over the past few weeks in general, has seen a resurgence to what he had done last year, except without the touchdowns. What's really fun <laughs> about Anthony Miller in a PPR league is that uh, he's had over six receptions in each of the last three games. And the last game was nine for 140 against Detroit on Thanksgiving. That was a really fun game to watch. If you guys saw Chicago-Detroit, it was really high scoring, and nobody expected the offenses to do well. I like how really high scoring for those teams is 44 total points. It was 24 to 20. But it was fun. It, it was, felt really high scoring for them. touchdowns everywhere. It was it great. It felt high scoring. <laughs> you know, good for the Bears. They beat a team that they were supposed to beat. When we say things like do, uh, when you talk about guys like Derek Carr and I talk about guys like Anthony Miller, I, I, I just want to like punch myself in the face because do is not a thing in, in reality. But I agree with you. Derek Carr is due for a big game and Anthony Miller is due for a touchdown. What I will say is, is this Trubisky late season magic or just some talented receivers hitting their stride? You know who's not due for a touchdown is Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> My point is, who cares? I'm taking the points. The points are there. <laughs> I'm going to start the guys that they're getting the points. I don't care how they get the points. Uh, I don't care if they've done a deal with Crossroads Demons. It doesn't matter to me. Points are points, and they all count the same. That's right. Everything has gone. And now I'm here again 
This is a tight end lightning round, so we can get to some other information. So, guys, just stop me if you have something, all right? Uh, TJ Hawkinson ankle moved to IR. He started off with a bang, regressed to mediocre tight end status when he realized he was just a rookie tight end, and they usually take a few years to develop. So, poofed, uh, you know, uh, disappeared in the poof of logic. Thank you. Uh, Austin Hooper with a knee injury. Hooper's been out since November 10th against the Saints, but he practiced on Wednesday in a limited capacity. Has a chance to suit up this week against the Panthers. So, hope you kept Hooper on your roster because he's a top five tight end every single time he starts. Are you throwing him in this week if he plays? 100%. Okay. Because Matt Ryan throws the ball for a million yards. Yeah. Now, don't I, count on a touchdown, but he'll probably have 70 yards on five receptions. Yeah, that's true. That's a tight end uh, game right <laughs> I'll now. take that. It is a good tight end game. Yeah. It's a quality tight end game. That's like, a, I got that's like the points. third floor right there. I got 12 points from Hooper. It's I like, mean, oh, there's no Darren Waller. <laughs> uh, Greg Olson with a concussion. Gnarly concussion uh, in the Panthers' Week 13 loss to the Redskins. Did you guys see that play? I missed that one. Yeah. So he kind of like... Uh, uh, like bumped up against somebody and then slammed against the ground and then like his hands just went limp and he completely got knocked out. Uh, and that's not great for Greg Olson, a guy who only has probably one concussion left in him before he's retired from the game of football. His backup, Ian Thomas, is a very talented second-year tight end that can put up numbers in fantasy like Bam. And filling in for Olsen, he quickly had four receptions for 24 yards at the end of that game. So does your tight end depth have you down? Well, Thomas may just be the answer you are looking for. All right. So defense is just going to put 11 in the box against the Panthers then. I mean, it's just McCaffrey and nobody else. But McCaffrey will still score 35 points. Right. And DJ Moore is pretty good. He's not the best DJ at wide receiver, but he's good. I would see that DJ battle. That'd be good. Yeah. So let's take a look at a few matchups to exploit going into week 14. Um, I really like the Washington Redskins going to Green Bay to play the Packers. So Washington's coming off a game where they... You mean you like the Green Bay Packers versus the Washington Redskins? If we're picking winners, 100%. (laughs) However, uh, Washington's coming off a game where they exploited a bad rushing defense, the aforementioned Carolina Panthers, uh, to the tune of 248 yards and three touchdowns uh, spread between Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson. So the Packers are only slightly better against the run. They've given up 55 points to the main running backs uh, of their opponents in the last three games. So Geis has been playing very well, and it turns out he has played more snaps in the NFL, despite our preseason predictions. Um, Adrian Peterson has seeded some carries to Geis, but last week he wound up with 13 and a touchdown. Uh, He got 99 yards. So I could see Adrian Peterson as a deep uh, league flex option this week. On the other side of the ball... Obviously, you got the Packers offense, but I wanted to highlight the decent matchup that the Packers defense has. Most people stream defenses. They're playing against the Redskins, who are giving up the sixth most points to opposing teams, opposing defense special teams. So I like the Packers this week uh, to probably get a turnover. Dwayne Haskins has been playing 
very bad. Um, if it wasn't for Daniel Jones outshining him, he might be the bad rookie quarterback story this year. <laughs> it's it's really it's really tough to 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 be too hard on these rookie quarterbacks that have the ones that have really horrible. Teams. I, I like to throw the word rookie in there so we know, th- like, but yeah, it has some context. No, you're right. I mean, here's a guy who has Terry McLaurin on his team. Where even if you're Case Keenum, you can make the guy shine. But Haskins still hasn't figured out a way to connect to the guy that was on his team in college. So but he's got mad selfie game though. There's, <laughs> hey, he actually found his way to take a knee in the last game. There, there's he some, was not taking selfies before the game ended. There's some work to do there, but Geis is going to be fun to watch. And of course, Rodgers will probably throw for another three or four touchdowns because the Redskins have uh, just as bad of a passing defense as the Giants. Yep. So Kansas City at New England. So the Chiefs are giving up a lot of points to opposing running backs, uh, including three games over 30 points in just standard scoring alone. Last week, we saw James White go nuts. He had 170 yards from scrimmage, two touchdowns. He could do the same this week. We also talked about Sony Michelle earlier in the show. Uh, we think that he could probably be one of the stronger, uh, you know, kind of flex plays that you may have to choose from. So I expect the Patriots to try and get Sony Michelle going in this game. Um, and uh, on the other side of the corn, if you will, the Patriots are giving up the fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs. They're only the sixth fewest uh, when it comes to opposing tight ends. So, as you can see, they're slacking off a bit, as Bill, Bill Belichick would tell you. Um, sure. So, I think that you want to keep most of your regular Chiefs on the bench, including Tyreek Hill. Um, so, he is, you know, probably still ranked in the top ten, but I think that uh, based on matchups, obviously, uh, if you have a very bad option other than Tyreek Hill, then you would just leave Tyreek Hill in. But if you can help it, you should sit Tyreek Hill in this game. Um, Patrick Mahomes might manage a good game. We saw Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson do that against the Patriots this week. Of course, those are the two games the Patriots lost. So if you think the Chiefs can win this game, then I think that you can start Mahomes. But if you think the Chiefs are going to lose, keep Mahomes on the bench too. Like, you can't screw around in the playoffs, and the Patriots are a really good defense. and They're back in Foxborough this week. So I think the Patriots are a good defense, and the reason that they are is because they do something that a lot of teams don't do, even though they should, because it makes sense to. And that is to just remove the best option or two from the offense. In uh, Kansas City's case, that's going to be Tyreek Hill and uh, Travis Kelsey. Yes. So they're going to be double-teaming those guys and and playing a defense that is uh, shifts to prevent long plays. And, and that is what the Chiefs are really good at. However... Um, I would I would not be surprised in this particular game if the Chiefs and the Patriots are trading leads, and I really like James White to follow up on his really good performance last week to do the same thing in a game one. in a game where he, there may be uh, uh, a lot of time where the Patriots might not be winning, and it always seems like James White is the guy that they go to when they need those short passes and uh, um, movement in space. Yep. So the one player on the Chiefs that you did mention who I'm going to start without hesitation is Travis Kelsey. I, I do think that the Patriots have the personnel to match up against Tyreek Hill. You know, Stephon Gilmore has shown that he can shut down almost anybody in the league. And Hill is probably the most explosive wide receiver in the league. But I would I would shy away from Hill, as I said. But I'm still going to start Travis Kelsey. He is, in my opinion, one of the most matchup-proof players in the league. And at his position, you're unlikely to have a better option. Anyways. Yeah, I think... Um, I if think... he can get 40 yards and three catches, it's probably better than whatever you were going to like hope for out of whatever second tight end you have. I think Plasco Burris might be slightly more explosive. 
<laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> that is uh, true. Oh. Truth in advertising. Well, what are you going to do? It was a good show, guys. Very timely reference. So, I <laughs> so yes. we're, we're all in a bunch of playoffs, and the, and the bottom line is win, man. Just win, That's baby. What it is. Just win. I like that. Commit to excellence. Just win, baby. That's right. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week to talk about week 15 in the NFL. Do you have one really funky sequence spacesuit belly? Or do you have several changes?